Well, good morning, Summit Church. And to the rest of you, good morning and Happy New Year to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be the best year you've ever had. Tell them that right now. I believe that. I want to take a moment this, uh, this morning before we get to the Word of God and just uh, do a couple of things. I want to welcome the people that are watching online. How many of you thank God for technology that enables us to speak to people that cannot ordinarily be here? We love you. We're glad you're here. We want you to know that. By the way, on a personal note, my sister... My sister who lives near Baton Rouge, we drove down there just a couple of days ago and celebrated, she won't want me to tell you this, her 90th birthday. And she, she's actually watching online today, and I'm going to tell you this, I say it when she's not listening, she looks like 50, thinks like about 30, her mind is good, her body's good, and makes us older folks look old, I want you to know. Love you, sis, very much. In addition to that, we want to welcome all of our friends and the people that we care about in the Baldwin County Correctional Center. How many of you thank God for that part of our church? Wow, come on. That's great. It's just, how many of you know we need to tell folks once in a while when we appreciate them? I don't think we do enough of that. I just want to say I've been a part of the church here for uh, a few years, and I appreciate the team that volunteers here. I mean, we've got some people that are committed to making this church a great church, parking on the parking lot, I mean, taking care of the technology. How about the praise and worship team today? If you didn't, come on. If you... uh, if you didn't feel God's presence during that, you got something broke, let me tell you. I mean, it's just wonderful. I feel the Lord has given to me, and uh, Pastor JP has asked me to speak today. The reason I get invited to speak here is because my airline ticket is the cheapest you can have to fly from Gulf Shores over here to Foley. And so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a bargain any way you go at it. But, but I feel the Lord has given to me a special word for 2022. I am believing, I want you to listen to my declaration, I am believing for the best and the most fruitful year ever in my life. How many of you would like to have the best and the most fruitful year? But, how many of you know there's always one of those? But for it to be better, we, everybody say we, turn to your neighbor say we is you and me. But for it to be better, we have to grow deeper that will require making some, it's a bad word, changes. How many of you just love changes? Well, let's see here. I count four in the whole crowd here today. Somebody said the dying words of a church are always the same. We never did it that way before. How many of you know we can't do that? I want to talk to you today about a very unusual subject with an unusual title, and that is Lessons for Leaners. That's what I said, leaners. Let me help you understand the title. How many of you have ever been in somewhat of an awkward situation with people around you may not know, and you leaned on something, believing it would stay in place, and it fell beneath you, and you stumbled around? Nobody raising their hands. So you are stable as the rock of Gibraltar, are you? 
I'll tell you a quick experience. Before my oldest daughter married, or it is now her husband, they've been married now forever, but uh, my wife and I were in the home of her husband. They were serving us dinner, and uh, we had never met them. And how many of you know that can be an awkward moment? Number one, I'm sizing up. Do I want this guy as my son-in-law? I want to know what kind of parents he's got, and it's a, it's a formal uh, dining area and really a nice place. And, and so I'm standing behind the chair before we sit down. And you know the little things, the little, little ornaments that stick up on the back of the chair. And, and so I leaned over and put my hands on them to pull my wife's chair out. And when I did, both of those came off in my hand. <laughs> now you should have been there. Lessons for leaners. Pick up your Bible and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to read to you two verses. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's also going to be on the screen, but I want you to think for a moment. I'm not telling you you got to do this, but I have decided to embrace these two verses as my key verses for 2022. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not, lean not, say it with me, lean not, unto thine own understanding. Circle two words if you mark your Bible, trust, actually three words, and lean not. I want to talk about that lean not part. Look at verse six. In all thy ways, Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That sounds like a good 2022 to me. Living Bible says if you want favor with both God and man, how many of you want God's favor in the coming year? We're taking a vote here. You want God to favor you. If you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely don't ever trust yourself in everything you do. Put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Wow, wow. That, that's my promise right there. Come on, lay your hand on your Bible right there. Father God, we thank you for your presence, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we feel in this room. Lord, we confess to you that without you, we can do nothing. Lord, I am totally dependent upon your Holy Spirit today. I ask you, Lord, to give me the words to speak, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. And Lord, open our hearts, not just our ears or our minds, but open our hearts that we might receive, believe, and experience the promise of the best year we've ever had. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about one of the most loved characters in the Bible. In fact, he is my favorite Bible character in the Old Testament. How many of you would like to know who that is? It is King David. I am intrigued by him. He is referred to in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. He probably is the greatest king to ever rule over the nation of Israel, Jesus is referred to as the son of David.
pretty amazing thing. Most of us are familiar with the highlights in David's life. As a very young man, you remember him killing the giant, Goliath, on the battlefield. Him becoming a national hero overnight. The women, all the women in Israel singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Everybody like that except Saul. Being promoted to commander-in-chief of the Israeli army. Being chosen above all his brothers as the replacement of King Saul as the new king. Establishing a model friendship with Jonathan, mentored, mentored by one of the most integrous prophets of Israel, Samuel. Being loved by all of Israel. Now, you're not going to believe what David does now. Pick up your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel 21, and I want to read you just a couple of three verses. While you're finding your place, I want to give you a little background. Saul, who was the king of Israel, was deep, deeply troubled by evil spirits. He recruited David, who was a fabulous musician, and when David would play, these evil spirits or demon spirits would cease bothering the king. But the problem is, David was becoming more and more popular than King Saul. Saul felt extremely threatened by this young man. And on one occasion, when David was playing, the Bible says that King Saul took a spear or a javelin and threw it hard enough to jam it in the wall, barely missing David, and David had to flee. Pick it up in verse 10. David arose and fled that day, look at this, for fear of Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Anybody ever heard of Achis, the king of Gath? You know where Gath was? Gath was the headquarters of the Philistines, and Achis was the king of the Philistines. You remember who Goliath was? He was Goliath of Gath, hometown for Goliath. And the servants of Achis said unto him, to the king, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart. Now look at this. David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad. That's in the King James. It literally means he began to behave like a crazy person, a person who had lost his mind. You doubt it? Look at this. The Bible said he changed his behavior before them, feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, literally began to fall on the gates of the, the city of Gath and scratch with his fingernails. And the Bible said that his spittle ran down out of his mouth, on his chin, in his beard, and dropped down on his clothes. He's out there behaving like a wild man. That's David. How many of you know folks can change sometime? 
The Bible said he changed his behavior, feigned himself mad in their hands, scrabbled on the doors of the gate, let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Asius unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? I like verse 15. Have I need a madman? that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? I love it in the Living Bible. It says, Achis said to his men, must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Excuse this. That kind of, I know a city like that in America. Excuse me. Should... (laughs) Look at this. Should such a fella as this be my guest? I want to give you three quick statements. Here's the first one. God will allow everything to be stripped away until all we have is God. Now, we don't like that statement. I want to talk to you today about things that can become crutches that we lean on. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, great book, actually recorded this prayer. This was Mr. Tozer praying. Quote, Father, I want to know thee. Boy, let, let 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 me just stop. There's just so much to talk about. Most of you in this room know him as your Savior. But how many of you would like to know him in a deeper way in 2022? Do you have a desire to know him better? To have a deeper relationship? He said, Father, I want to know thee, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part with them without inward bleeding, and I do not try to hide from thee the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I do come continues to pray, please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long and which have become a very part of my living self. Listen, so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without rival. Then shall thou make thy place the place of thy feet glorious. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine in it, for thyself will be the light of it, and there shall be no need or no night there. In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, is that a prayer or what? I wonder, could we start the new year? Could we start 2022 with not just expecting all the great things that may come our way, but rather searching our heart to where there is only one thing that is number one, and that is Jesus Christ himself without rival in our heart. This was actually Paul's testimony. The apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, planted more churches. He is is the star of the New Testament church. And yet he wrote these words in Philippians 3, verse 8. Look at it. What things were, what things, everybody say what things. What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, 
and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. How many of you believe there is more to know about Jesus Christ, your Lord, than you know today? How many of you want to know more? Put your hand up right now and just, just make a statement with me. Let's boldly declare as a church. Say with us, Lord Jesus, I'm so glad that I know you as my Savior and my Redeemer. But I want to know you in a greater dimension. I want this new year to be the year that I move forward in my walk with you. Amen. Let me finish the passage. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Look at this. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Let me talk a moment about things. You may not know this. Everything that God made for man, he called a thing. Genesis 131, God saw every thing that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Things are good as long as they do not become the, the crutch or the post upon which you lean or depend for happiness, fulfillment, joy, peace, love. You never get it in things. You can't buy enough sports cars. You can't buy a big enough boat. You can't build a big enough house. How many of you here would just be honest and say, Pastor Holden, you're right on. I have tried to get what I needed in my life with things in the past. How many of you have ever been on that road? If you lie, you fry. I just want to. <laughs> Jesus did not say you can't have things. What he did say is that things cannot have you. In fact, he said in Matthew 6, 33, well, I sense the presence of the Lord here today. How many of you thank God for his anointing? I don't take that lightly. That's the most important thing to me. Come on. Come on. Yes, indeed. Jesus, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first, first, seek ye first. Y'all didn't hear me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We don't hear anybody preaching that in America today, but the truth of the matter is God wants no other gods in our life but our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, second statement. I want to give to you five crutches that David had stripped away. Well, we celebrate that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. All of us want to, want to be that, have a desire to be that. But you got to remember, you're not going to like this. David paid a price. Salvation is absolutely free, but a deeper walk with Christ is going to cost you something. 
I'll never be invited to preach here again, you know. <laughs> Listen to this. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, if, anyone will, if any man will, or woman will come after me, let him deny himself. Help me a moment. Who was the cartoon character who said, we have found the enemy and they is us? Was that Pogo? I think so. We found that, you know, our biggest enemy is not the devil. Our biggest enemy is not the opposing political party. The biggest enemy we have is the guy that I shave every day and brush his teeth every day. It is us. Jesus knew that. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and do what? He didn't say take up his cross and sit down in the church and fold your arms and walk in once a week and fold your legs, cross your legs, and lower your chin and say, now, preacher, you bless me if you can. He said, let him follow me. Now, here are five crutches, quickly, that God stripped away from David. First of all, his position. When Saul became that angry, Saul drove him from the palace, put a military group of soldiers, track him down, and kill him. How many of you know you're not, you don't have your position when that happens? I'll just give you a statement. The people who are often out to get us are often the ones that are afraid of us. Number two, his wife, Michael. Are you aware that Saul uses David's wife, Saul's daughter, as a pawn to trip him up and to catch him and to kill him? For Samuel 18, the Bible said Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I'll give him her that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. In essence, his wife walked away from him. Now, please put this in proper perspective. I do, I do a series of messages called The Five Most Important Things in My Life. Lock the door back there so everybody gets the full statement here. <clears throat> but the most important thing in my life is not my wonderful, lovely, beautiful wife that I've been married to for 57 years. We think it's going to work out. But she's not She's not, she's not the person that I need to look to to meet all of my needs. She is not God. She is not Jesus. By the way, ladies, on the other side of the coin, your husband is not Jesus. A lot of husbands and wives become frustrated in marriage because they cannot meet all the needs of their spouse, and their spouse is looking to them. That is a crutch that will fail you. The most important thing in my life is not my wife, but my personal, intimate, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
In fact, if you want to get, if you want to get number two, which is my relationship with my wife, the second most important thing is my personal, intimate, till death do us part relationship with my wife. But I'll never get number two right until I get number one right. Y'all still here? Number three, the third crutch was his best friend. Excuse me. His mentor, number three, his mentor and counselor, Samuel. Oh, buddy, Samuel was the best of the best, maybe the best prophet Israel ever had. And he was, he was, he was David's personal mentor. How many of you know it's great to have a great mentor like that? But evidently God saw that David was depending on Saul and not on him. Number four, the fourth crutch was his best friend, Jonathan. The Bible says of Jonathan that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. They were the best of friends. How many of you thank God for best friends? Wow. Wow. Some of the greatest gifts that I have in this world are friends. But those friends are not my source. They can help me. They can assist me. They can counsel me. We can fellowship together. We can spend a great, a great deal of time together, and rightfully so we should. But that does not meet every need in my life. David had to run for his life and left Jonathan. Fifth crutch is David lost his self-esteem, his personal worth. He no longer could hear the ladies singing, David's the biggest and the best. His spittle is pouring off of his beard. He's laying on the dirt in front of the gate, scratching on that gate with his fingernails, and is called a madman. You're talking about a guy that is needing to learn where he needs to lean. It's David. I'm not speaking disrespectfully, but he is en route to becoming the king, and this is the formative stages in his life. There are some of you in this room, you're trying to process some of the things that I have said because you too have experienced maybe one, maybe two, maybe four, maybe five, and there's a list of 55 that we could name. But oftentimes, oftentimes we pick up a substitute to lean on that falls out from under us. Jesus talked about that danger in the building of a house on the sand. When the storm comes, when the rain falls, when the wind blows, the house on the sand falls, and great is the fall of it. Some of you may be there today. In the next three or four minutes, I'm going to tell you what I believe to be the most important part of this message on lessons for leaners. We're going to actually put them on the board. You may want to make a note of them. Three lessons for leaners. I want to just pause a moment. How many of you thank God for these wonderful people that work in technology and make all this work so good? Thank you all. Thank y'all. Here's the first lesson. Crutches can become substitutes for God. 
It can be your spouse, your parents, your job, your children, your best friend, drugs, alcohol. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. This one will not be on the board, but you need to make a note of it. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. That was Jeremiah speaking to the nation of Israel. My people, God's people, have committed two evils. They have forsaken, they have forsaken the fountain of living water and hewn them out a substitute that can hold no water. Second lesson for leaners. Crutches keep our focus. Watch this now. Crutches keep our focus horizontal. Everybody say with me horizontal. That's looking this way. Looking this way. How many of you know if you want to find the real answer, it's not horizontal, it's vertical. I got to read you a passage. Some of it's going to be on the board. How many of you have ever heard of the prophet Isaiah? Let's see your hand. You've heard of Isaiah, wrote one of the Old Testament books, maybe I guess one of the longest books. I want you to go with me to a pivotal moment in Isaiah's life. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, interesting, in the year that King Uzziah died, a specific year, I saw also the Lord sitting up on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Is it possible that Isaiah was depending on Uzziah for his strength, provision, whatever? And God says, I've got something far greater for you, Isaiah, than Uzziah. I want you to connect with not King Uzziah, but with the King of kings and the Lord of lords because his supply is unlimited. Look at this. Above it, verse 2, stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes, look at this, mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then, verse 6, flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar, laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. 
in 2022, I want to have that kind of experience in my life to where I have such an encounter with him who sits on the throne that whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Wherever he tells me to go, I'm going to go it. Uh, go there. I want you to know God wants to remove anything and everything from our lives that is a substitute for him. Last statement. Last statement. Crutches offer only temporary relief. We turn to some remedies that will soothe us or comfort us or dull our pain. But here's the statement. God doesn't give temporary relief. God offers a permanent solution. Can I hear an amen to that? Now listen to this verse. It's going to be, I think, on the board. Deuteronomy 33, 27. It's one of my favorite verses. The eternal God is our refuge. Everybody sit with me, the eternal God. Come on, sit like you mean it. That means he is unchanging. In fact, Jesus said that he's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. He is referred to as the rock that doesn't move. The eternal God is, is our refuge. Watch this. And underneath, everybody sit with me, underneath. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The Spirit of God is upon me right now. Some of you have suffered deep pain and deep hurt, and you still struggle with that because you leaned on some arms that were not everlasting. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Look at this. And he shall thrust, these everlasting arms shall thrust out the enemy from before you and shall say, destroy them. Whoa. Some of you need to put your past forever behind you. And you can do that when the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. You don't have to just continue to deal with drug addiction. You can destroy drug addiction. You don't have to continue to deal with alcohol. You can destroy alcoholism. You don't have to continue to deal with anger and bitterness and resentment over arms that failed you. You can destroy those things and move toward a pure, whole, joyful, peaceful, triumphant life in Jesus Christ. Oh, don't patty cake. Give the Lord a hand right now. Woo! I'm very sensitive to the time, but I'm not sure as to whether I am on summit time or Pastor Wilson's time. How many of you notice his time's pretty flexible sometimes? But he can do that. He's the senior pastor. I will never do that. But listen to this. This is what you need to remember. Everybody's thinking in this room, let me see your hand. You're, you're using your head right now. Let me see your hand. The rest of you folks need to wake up. You, uh, <clears throat> when David got his eyes off of these 
things, these crutches that I named, he then wrote the 34th Psalm. How many of you knew that? How many of you didn't know that? How many of you don't care about that? Oh, no, you, you got to read that. Psalm 34. This is when he'd go, gone through this spittle on his beard and scratching at the gates of, of uh, this city and acting like a madman. When he gets past that and gets his eyes on the eternal God, he writes Psalm 34, 21 verses. I'm not going to read them, but listen to the opening verse. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Listen to verse 3. David's speaking to us right now. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. <laughs> yes, he did. And delivered me. Listen. And delivered me from all my, is that on the board? Yes, it is. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from some of my fears. All my fears. Hmm. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Verse 8, I'm tempted to read the whole 21 verses, but I'm going to quit with this one if God will help me. Look at this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So, there are folks in this room that will remember this song. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. You know it. I'm waiting on the rest. Oh, what a blessedness. Oh, what a peace is mine. What? Oh, what a blessedness. Oh, what a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Some of you never heard that song. You know what the last verse says? What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arm, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. In a more modern time, someone else picked up on it. A man who pastored right here at Montgomery, Alabama. Stall, Stall, Stallwood, Stallworth, something like that. He wrote, in the darkest time of his life, when things were going bad, learning to lean, learning to lean. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning 
I'm learning. I'm learning. You don't get this all at once. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Now, I'd do a lot better with that in the shower. But I like it. I like it. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's just pause for a moment as the worship team comes back. I believe that this is the right way to start the new year. I believe this is the way to have the best year we've ever had. Is to make a decision to learn important lessons as leaners. There's nothing in this world, I don't mean this to be dogmatic or narrow-minded, but it's still true. There is nothing in this world that can take the place of the everlasting arm. Everlasting arm. Everlasting arm. Father, I just, I thank you for your wonderful presence, the awesome presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray today that in the next, in the next few seconds, in the next few moments, that people all over this building will recognize that we need to learn these lessons as leaners. I thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. Speak to our hearts, O oh God, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, let me just pause in my prayer. During the last few days, I've been praying for this service today. And I felt like the Lord dealt with my heart that I needed to do more than just pray for you in your seat. I need to call upon you to make a decision. And, and listen, don't you patronize me. I'm way too old for that. But if you're in this room, if you're in this room today, and you're watching online, wherever you are, but you today would like to be one of those people in 2022 that will allow God to move your focus from horizontal things to a vertical relationship and a deeper depth than you've ever known with the eternal God and the everlasting arm. That's going to be your, your focus in your journey for this, this coming year. I'm going to do something very bold. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet and I'm going to ask you to walk forward and I'm going to conclude my prayer right here with you personally. Come right now. If that's you up in the cascade, you're welcome. Step in those, uh, the aisles, come down those stairs carefully and just come and stand from all over this building. Come right now. We're going to take, this will not take long. We're going to take but a moment, but we're going to ask you right now. I'm making a decision that I'm not going to be a leaner. I'm not going to be a leaner on stuff that cannot be trusted. Amen. I'm not going to let fear grip my heart because stuff around me may be falling apart. My goodness, we, we need, just keep coming, folks. We'll fill the aisles. We'll put them all the way out in the foyer if we need to. But you just keep coming right now. Keep coming right now. 
Amen. 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 The eternal God is my refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Therefore, I will not fear. I will not fear political decisions or political uprisings. I will not fear the economy. I will not fear all the negativity. I will not be afraid because I'm not leaning on Wall Street or any other street. I'm leaning on the everlasting arm. That's where I'm leaning. That's where I'm leaning. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to stop trying to get people to meet the deep needs of my heart. And I'm going to recognize they can never do it. Only God can meet the deep needs of my heart. Amen. That's going to be. Can you imagine what would happen in this church in the next year if we all got on that page? My goodness. My goodness. What kind of church would this become? Amen, amen, amen. Many of you are already doing this. You may have never done this before, but I'm going to ask you to lift your hands all across this building right now. Father, I just want to pray for the people, Lord, that are standing at this prayer altar. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let us become like David, men and women after God's own heart. Lord God, deliver us from the competitors that would compete with Jesus. There is no rival. There is no competitor. Jesus is the only one that really matters in our lives. We thank you for that right now. We thank you for that right now. Begin to have a conversation with the Lord right there on your own. You communicate with God. You make a commitment to the Lord. You say to the Lord, Lord, I want you to be, I want you to be the unrivaled king of my heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, yes. Come on, worship. Worship with me all over this building. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful couple right here. For this dear lady, Lord. For this precious woman. In Jesus' name. Move by your spirit, oh God. Move by your spirit, oh God. Move by your spirit, oh God. Oh, 